0: I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 147, uh, Psalms 147, I want to read the first uh, nine verses and then really dive in my, the key verses, I'm going to focus on verses 10 and 11, but it says this, praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem, he gathereth together the outcasts of Israel, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power, his understanding is infinite. The Lord lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise unto upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the he- heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains, he giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. Now look with me at verse ten and eleven. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse; he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a ma- man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in whose that hope that that hope in His mercy. I want to talk this evening about. Nothing being insignificant in the Lord. I cannot stress this enough in the day and age we're living in, especially today, that we are the difference the world is looking to see. And I can say this with utmost certainty you being an individual with Jesus Christ in your life is enough to make a difference. It's enough. Now, I know we look at all this being such a global epidemic, and in everything we see, we see such global ramifications. It's, it's so big, to be honest, to wrap our minds around how we can make a difference. But I can say with utmost certainty, we see this, that the Lord is, does not delight in the strength of anybody, not in the strength of horses or even the, the legs of a man, but what he's looking for is able and willing people that will do his will in our lives. That's what we need to see. And I think it's important that we under, have to understand that if the Bible has taught me anything, if the Bible has taught me anything, is to not put my trust in man, but to my, put my trust in the Lord. True su- success can come from the insignificant. We think of it as the little, but, and, and we use it as a, a coin, as a song, but uh, little is much when the Lord, when God is in it. Little is much. You know, they say in the King James Bible there's 31,174 verses. Now, I've seen uh, theologians, I looked it up all afternoon, some people discredit this, some people uh, do credit it, but what I understand, what I can find out is 31,174 verses in the King James Bible. So it'd be the 15,587th verse that would be considered the center verse of the Bible, which is Psalms 118 and verse 8 which not ironically, not coincidentally says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. This is a reality. We have to realize that. So I take very great comfort in the account in the Bible of the man by the name of Shamgar. And you say, Shamgar? (laughs) I've never heard of him. That's the point. We see a great significance in the insignificant. And I take great comfort in knowing that I'm one man, you're one man or one woman, one little family, one little spot on this this big map called earth. But yet you can make a difference for God. And I don't believe anybody's placed on this earth by coincidence. I don't believe anybody is placed on this earth to have no purpose, to have any role. I believe God has a divine purpose and plan for each of us. And that's really what we should be doing is putting our confidence in what God has for us. Every single day, literally just to wake up and say, God, what do you have for me today? As we talked about this morning, to kind of bind ourselves throughout the week and say, God, I want to be a living sacrifice for you today. I want to see you move in a big way today. And even if it's in the insignificant, I mean, literally, I don't think we understand uh, today what a phone call can do, what a card can do, what even a text message can do in someone's time of need. Nothing is insignificant when Jesus is in it. Nothing. So I wanted to take a closer look at what made Shamgar such a successful individual in in the word of God. And yet we see so little talked about him. Um, I want to review the background of the story, but we're going to turn to Judges chapter 3. But this time period we see in the book of Judges was intended to be an era of advancement for God's people, for the children of Israel. By this time they should have been fully enjoying the promised land. Should have been uh, reaping the benefits of that, that land that m- flowed with milk and honey. But because of their inconsistency in obeying God. And because of their, uh, their idolatry culture and everything. It led to failure. And entered this gentleman by we see uh, by the name of Shamgar. Now what we understand by the last verses of Judges chapter 3. Uh, and a few verses we see in chapter 5 of Judges. Compromised literally the entire sum of this individual. Look with me at Judges chapter three, verse thirty-one, and it says, "And after him was Shamgar the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines six hundred men with an ox goad, and he also and he also delivered Israel. He delivered Israel, and literally one man defeated six hundred uh, Philistines." I considered preaching this evening because, once again, God had put it on my heart about this insignificant. There's nothing insignificant uh, when you're a Christian. Nothing insignificant when you have the Holy Spirit. Everything is of utmost significance. But I wanted to preach on uh, Ehud, which uh, many don't know about him either. Not a lot of verses about Ehud, but he was this valiant, left-handed judge that God had uh, brought on the scene to lead, uh, lead him, the children of Israel out of uh, victory from the Moabites. Um and then they had peace for 80 years another situation throughout the bible you can find many uh, nuggets of these people that not much is talked about we talk about the big the big uh, the patriarchs of the faith but i love these little that just these little blurbs that we don't see much about but in, but because of them the entire nation the fate of the nation changed significantly and i don't think we will truly understand the difference we've made until we get to heaven i believe if we have a mind like christ we will have seen what kind of difference we've made in our lives. Now, there will be some things that we never saw. We've seen seeds planted, but never sprout, never grown, never actually produce fruit. Maybe not in our lifetime, but I believe when we get to heaven, we'll see the full scope of what God was really trying to do in the little, in the small. Just literally the little encouragement that we may have given, the prayers that, we, that nobody knew that we were praying, but we were praying. And, and there's, so, there's, there's such success we can have in the Lord in that. But I wanted to preach on him, but I came across uh, Shamgar and I, I'd forgotten about him. But you know, we see that not only the Moabites were an enemy of Israel, but the Philistines were, as we're well aware, a thorn in Israel's side. They would frequently invade and plunder Israel. And once again, I think we're living in the same day and age where the enemy is doing everything he can. Look with me at Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5. Look at verses 6. Through eight, It describes the scenario, the background of the land that they were living in, the lack of public safety, the lack of concern because of the enemy. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied and the travels, travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, uh, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel." Those chose new gods. When was war? Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among forty thousand in Israel? This is the the chaos that was surrounding it. The highways were occupied. All the weaponry had been taken out. They were literally just being thieved by these Philistine uh, invaders. And these desperate circumstances, these desperate circumstances, motivated one man. This man named Shamgar. To literally remedy the situation. The Bible literally describes that he himself struck down 600 Philistines. With what? An ox goad? An ox goad was a farm tool. I had to look it up because I had never heard of it before. But it says literally oxen were used to plow the fields. And to assure their cooperation, the plowmen used a long wooden rod. Anywhere from 5 to 10 feet in length. And about 2 inches in diameter. To prod these sturdy animals into working, on the one end the goad was a sharp point, and on the other end was a broad chisel-like blade used to clean the plow of clay and roots. And this farmer's tool became a lethal weapon in the hands of one courageous man. If there ever was a time when we need to stand up and fight, when literally we need to say enough is enough, and I know it gets overwhelming. ...to see the situation at hand... ...and say, how can I make a difference? How can I do anything? But let me assure you... ...just because you can't do everything... ...does not mean you cannot do anything. And we need to know that. That together... ...we can individually... ...maybe not so much corporately... ...but maybe corporately... ...but individually it starts with us to say... ...all right, I'm going to make a difference for the Lord today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start pushing back on the enemy... Today, we see that in Shamgar. Number one, I believe the number one secret to the success we saw in this account is, number one, he started where he was. And we need to start where we are. Where was Shamgar? Where was the starting point for him? He was living in a time and a place when his life and property and the lives of the property of his family and his countrymen were at the mercy of these Philistine thieves and thugs. And he could have seen himself as hopeless, As we often do, sometimes he could have seen himself as helpless, as we often do, but the fact of the matter is he did not run from the situation, but he faced it head on. I read an article not long ago that was the title of the article was, Job Anxiety Can Lead to Career Success. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Most likely people just want to say I'm done, turn turn in their two-week notice. But it said this, psychologists say that those who take pressure as a part of life handle it best and this article gave three c's to success commitment control and challenge commitment by saying when stress hits you stay involved and don't pull out man that's so true in the time and age we're living in for so many people and i say it, i think i even said it this morning i sometimes slap my lips because I just say, Lord, come, come today. It's so easy to say, God, just come get me out of here. But heaven is not an evacuation plan. You know, God has a purpose why he's not came yet. And if he's not come for me yet, there's a reason I'm still here. And the thing is, we just say, well, just get me out of here. I just want to, I just want to step out. But no, his grace is sufficient today. I can still make a difference today and I need to stay involved and don't pull out. Mike said it this morning during the Sunday school hour that so often because certain things happen in church, we distance ourselves from church. We pull out because it becomes too stressful, too dramatic, and the easiest thing to do, and I hate to say this, but it's true, the easiest thing to do is to pull out, to step out, say I'm done. But we need to stay in there. But number two, control. To take control of the stressful situation. You should control the situation, not the stress. That's what that article said. And number three, Challenge. Think of the stress as normal. It's an opportunity to learn. Don't let yourself fall into self-pity. I find comfort in that because I believe, once again, Romans eight twenty eight, that even the worst of the worst days that I have, God is trying to teach me something. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a purpose under heaven for everything. For everything. <laughs> I find that hard. I, I, I don't understand that all the time, but if I would just step back in my prayer life and say, God, uh, this day was horrible. But you were trying to teach me something from it. That maybe tomorrow I will be better equipped to handle the day. But it seems like Shamgar practiced those three C's in the situation that he was in. He didn't wait for perfect circumstances or perfect materials. He started where he was. And even the most of the hopeful of people can be trampled down by the weight of worry and fear and stress that this life has. Once again, Moabites were an issue we see that but it wasn't you know it wasn't the only one they had other ones philistines and the jebusites and all these other ones that were enemies to israel and that's just how the enemy works i would love to say that i will only have to occur one problem for the day but <laughs> well, that's not reality the devil if you remember the story of job is once again, as the, literally as the messenger was speaking and telling Job that, hey, you've lost all your possessions. The other messenger came and said, oh, by the way, your children have died. Oh, by the way, all your cattle have died. And one after another, it seems to pile on. And this is the enemy's greatest way to get us to do nothing, is to overwhelm us. And I feel like today, with the day we're living in, the enemy has done a good job of overwhelming us. And saying, there's no way you can make a difference. There's no way you can change the circumstance. But I find comfort in the account of Shamgar. Number one, yes, we see that he started, that we need to start where we are. Number two, and I see that he did this, to use what you have. To use what you have. Shamgar used a farmer's tool to defeat 600 Philistines. He used a farmer's tool to save the nation of Israel. Don't tell me that what you have is not enough in the Lord. You do not have to have the most friends. You do not have to have the most degrees. You do not have to have the biggest bank account, the fastest car, the largest church to make a difference for God. You don't. You just have to use what you do have. I ask that question. What is it that you have? That you're not allowing God to use. What is it a gift that you might have? What is an opportunity that you might have? I love that. Once again, uh, there are people that Delbert knows that I don't know. There are people that Delbert has a reputation with a good reputation that I don't. It's not an ego trip for me. God has an opportunity that through Delbert, we can see more people come to know the Lord. And vice versa. And that's why we need to say it ain't about us. What do you have that you can offer to God to make a difference? What is it that you have that you say, oh, that's so insignificant? I'll tell you this, the $5 in your pocket might seem insignificant. But to someone who's in need, it might not be. You might say, oh, what's what's one prayer, really? What could that really do? One, One encouraging Bible verse for someone who's going through a storm of life. Really? Something so small? Use what? You have. Use what you have. Remember in the story of God approached Moses? Moses said the same thing. He said, I'm not equipped. I got a stutter. I I have got nothing. You're telling me I'm gonna liberate your people from great Pharaoh and his army? And what did God say? He said, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? All this thing? Well, I've been I've been just tending to the sheep of my father-in-law's farm for for to This surely this can't be anything. Oh, it can't be to you. But with me, lay it down. Turned into a serpent. Stretch it out, remember? Stretch it out in front of the, the waters and the waters split. With God, we can take what we have. And you might say it's insignificant, but I'm telling you. And, I, and I've said this before. You know, it says that when we get before the judgment seat of Christ, it says all our works will be tried, gold, silver, precious stones, Hay, wood, and stubble. And I believe there will be a little old lady who didn't have any money, didn't have much transportation, but had a faith that was solid gold and had a prayer life that was unshakable. And when, the, and when fire tests all those works in the judgment seat of Christ, there ain't going to be one bit of hay. There ain't going to be one bit of wood. There ain't going to be one bit of stubble. And everyone would have discounted her. She doesn't tithe much. She is not active very much in the missions and the service projects that we have at the church. All she ate, ha- if you go to her and say you need prayer, well, sure enough, she'll pray for you. But that woman in that day will have been the most significant thing in so many people's lives. And I don't think we see it. She used what she had, and it made a difference. I wrote this in my notes. What is it that you already have that you can use? To see success for God in your life. What has God already given you to help realize his will for your life? Sometimes the only thing a person has to succeed is an idea. In the Christian life, we would call those ideas vision, right? Proverbs says where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, to have a vision. To wake up every morning and say, God, I believe you can do something with me. With what I have right where I'm at right in the midst of Taze Valley or right in the midst of Rock Branch. and I don't have much, but what I do have, I'm giving you the opportunity to use and to multiply for your kingdom. And, I, and I'll tell you, as I said this morning, I want to be an Isaac. I want to be someone who's willing to, to be bound and to lay down for the will of my father. But I want to be a Shamgar. <laughs> in despite of the circumstance and the reality of this overwhelming opposition, that he said, you know what, I can make a difference. I can make a difference where I'm at. Using what I have, and lastly, to do what he can. And we need to do what we can. Defending, he defended himself against 600 Philistines. If I've said it once, I've said it a few times already tonight. 600 Philistines, one man with a farm tool. I mean, to me, that, that would, that's not, I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't bet for Shamgar. But he said, I'm going to do what I can. Why? Just as David said when in the midst of his brethren and, and the countrymen that were hiding behind their, their, uh, the bunkers when Goliath was mocking God. What did David say? Is there not a cause? If we're not going to fight for God, then who is? If we're not going to say that I'm going to be the change that this world really needs. I'm going to be the hope of Jesus that somebody needs. Then who's going to do it? So often, and I'm thankful we got people that are, that are workers in this church, that are prayers in this church. But so many churches look to the pastor and say, that's why we have a pastor. That's why I tithe. Heaven forbid something would happen to them. Because then what? We all have a purpose in this thing. We're in this together. And we need to say, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. Sophie, you're going to be honest, this is kind of shallow. But Sophie said the other day, she's been on me like crazy about recycling. And I don't know where she got it, but I hate that she got it. Must have picked it up at school. So now I'm all burdened. So now I'm like, all right, we're going to start recycling. I know it's the right thing to do. We should be doing our part. But I've never been a recycler. And Sophie's been on me like white on rice. She said, we need to do it. It's the right thing to do. I'm like, and I'm thinking the same thing. Like, you know, in our Christian life, I'm saying, really? What's the big deal if I recycle? I mean, really? Could it make that much of a difference? But if everybody would have the mindset that, yes, we can make a difference. My little bag of recyclables and your little bag of recyclables add up to a big amount. Your prayer life and my prayer life, your faith and my faith, your abilities and my abilities, together we can really see a change in this community. We can really see a change in this community. How often do we fail to make a contribution to God? Because we think that our contribution won't matter. Remember, he says in Mark 9 and 41 that even to offer a cup of cold water in my name is huge. Remember the woman with the two mites? It's all she had. Insignificant, even to the disciples, but gave more than everybody combined. Because it was significant because of what the Lord had placed on their heart. But it doesn't matter if it doesn't give any instance in what we see in Judges 3 that if he defeated them all at one time or if he defeated them one here, five here, six here. All we knew that at the conclusion of the matter, he saved Israel. That's literally what it says. In Judges 3, there is one verse about this man named Shamgar. Was it that he did something significant? It was to God. It was to his family. But the Bible said he to saved Israel it's an example for us it's an example that we can follow to do uh, to do something where we're at to start where we're at to use what we have and to do what we can let me say this if you're here this evening and you feel insignificant if you feel unworthy good good because what did he say in Psalms 147 if you're looking to delight in the Lord it ain't in your strength it ain't in your checkbook it ain't in what you think you can do for God what he delights in is what he's able to do through you and the beautiful thing is when we feel insignificant it escalates What God is able to do. Would it be a big deal if Shamgar was this huge individual to defeat 600 men? If he had an army behind him or a vast arsenal of weaponry? No, it wouldn't have meant a hill of beans. But because he was a nobody. One verse, actually two verses. We read both of them. That's all the Bible talks about Shamgar. And yet changed the course of an entire nation. Folks, there's nothing insignificant with God. He delights, he takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Not in the strength of horses, not in the strength, not in the legs of a man, but those that fear him, that reverence him. And my hope is in what he's able to do through me. I can say with utmost certainty, every single person in here can make a difference for the Lord. Today, right now. Right now, well, I got to do this first. No, right now, you have what it takes to make a difference for God. The difference between me and Shamgar is, am I willing to do it? It's really where the rubber meets the road. Without a doubt, I can, I can, I will battle you because I've got verses after verses of verses that God can make a difference in your life. The question is, do you trust it? The question is, you really step out in faith and say, all right, God. Uh, enough reading, I find myself so often that we're like a football team and we're in a huddle and we've got all the right plays. But right when we're getting ready to, to break, we never break. We just say, let's go over that one more time. Man, that was a real good play. Man, I, I think we could get a victory or a touchdown out of that one. All right, one, two. Hey, let's just, uh, what if we uh, talk about that one more? We got to break, folks. <laughs> we got to get out there. There's a battle to be won. There's a difference that needs to be made. If not now, then when folks things are not getting any better they're not getting any better you can say what you want i'm not sure bless you dad Yeah. that's good, Ted. Yeah. Yeah, bless you, Ted. me just say this. We're going to have Mike come up. We're going to get a little acapella number. Uh, i still got a little bit of time. I'm, I'm hoping I can encourage you to stand up and say, you know what? God's good. That's what I want to see this evening. But if you feel insignificant, that's okay. <laughs> God can make a big difference in your life. And I don't know about you, but maybe you got something on your heart to say, you know what? There is a situation in my life, in my community, in my family that I've been waiting for God to move. And I hate to bust your bubble but maybe you're the shamgar for this situation this was his family this was his country this was his nation and they were had a, a great need and yet he was just one man but he was one man with God and that was enough and I could say the same for your situation so this evening we're, we're gonna just go ahead and stand and Mike's gonna come up and we're gonna give an invitation maybe it's something you need to pray about this evening